Will David Warner get the farewell he deserves? And what exactly does he deserve? When the time comes, who should replace him? What do two World Cup winning captains think about the evolution of Pat Cummins? And released from the shackles of captaincy, what should we expect from Bubba Azam this summer? Let's go around the wicket. And welcome to Around the Wicket, a brand new show on ESPN and ESPN Crick Info. I'm Narrowly Meadows. We'll be right with you throughout the summer and joining us to get things started. ICC Hall of Famer, if you don't mind, Lisa Stalaker and World Cup winning captain Aaron Finch as well. And shortly we'll be joined by Michael Clark as well, former Australian Test captain. Great to have you both on board. A brand new concept. Are you excited to be here, Finchie? Very excited. I think to kick off a, a huge summer of cricket uh, with Pakistan. It's going to be unbelievable. Lise? And Nez, you know, I love talking about cricket <laughs> and we've needed a show like this in this part of the world. Mm. So can't wait to dissect the summer and everything in between. Love to have you both on board. And also a part of the Around the Wicket team is Alex Malcolm, who is our ESPN Crick Info insider. And he'll be joining us right throughout the summer with the breaking news. And he joins us now. Alex, what's the mood like over in Perth? It's been a fairly low-key build-up here in Perth, narrowly ahead of the first test of the summer between Australia and Pakistan here at Perth's Optus Stadium. Not a great deal of fanfare around the reigning test and ODI world champions arriving in town, but that's just how the Australians like it at the moment. They've had four solid days of training, both at the Wacker Ground and here at Perth's Optus Stadium. They're very pleased with the preparation that they've had. Nathan Lyons raring to go after missing the last three tests of the Ashes series with that calf injury. He's set to come back. The big three quicks have returned from the ODI World Cup in great shape despite the arduous nature of that campaign so they're raring to go as well. There's a bit of intrigue about how this pitch will play here though at Optus Stadium. It was pretty placid last year against the West Indies and a lot of runs were scored without much of that fire and brimstone that you normally get from the pitches here in Perth. The curator Isaac McDonald spoke yesterday. He's left 10 mils of grass on it at the moment. He might give it another shave tomorrow but there's been great weather here in Perth over the last month or so. He expects it to have a hard base, plenty of pace and bounce for the quicks but also runs to be scored if the batters get in and play well. It should be a really intriguing contest between Australia and Pakistan. Can't wait for it here at Perth Stadium tomorrow. Thank you very much, Alex. Great to have you a part of the Around the Wicket team. So as he just mentioned, the team, the 11 as expected, Pat Cummins has named that 11. So Nathan Lyon comes back in and they go with those three quicks that we know so well. Mitch Marsh retains his spot as well over Cameron Green. Interestingly enough, though, Mitch Marsh, who is the local boy, has never actually played at the New Perth Stadium. But you have, Finchie. You mm-hmm. played in the very first test there back in 2018 and it was a tough time for you. You almost walked out with a broken finger. Yeah, that was difficult, but we won the test match. That was my only test win in, in five attempts. So, I mean, overall, it's a great place to play cricket. It offers fast bowlers a genuine chance to showcase their skills. Nathan Lyon's record there is unbelievable. So that suggests that there's enough pace and bounce for the spin as well. And, and once you get Nathan Lyon on a wicket that does bounce, he's almost unstoppable at times. But like Alex said, if you get in as a batsman, you can go really big because it's, it's consistent. Yeah, it'll seem around, but... 
that's nothing that Australian batsmen in particular aren't uncommon with. Fast, bouncy, almost whacker-like wicket. That's what we want out west. That's what we want, and we wouldn't mind a few little cracks as mm. well, like um, <laughs> appearing over the days, because that does add a bit of excitement to the spectators watching mm. where will the ball go. Maybe batters won't enjoy it as much, but... Um, that's what we're, we're used to seeing over in the West, so hopefully it produces a, a really exciting game. Cracks in the pitch are fine when you're right here in studio, <laughs> not when you're out there in middle and having to go to the hospital to get it all checked out. Well, you mentioned Nathan Lyon, also milestone alert. He's on 296 test wickets, so just four away from 500, which is a remarkable effort. Well, don't go anywhere on Around the Wicket because we're going to get stuck into the big topics. Michael Clark to join us after this very short break. Yeah, it's, you know, same side other than Lino comes in for Murph from uh, the Oval and everyone's fit and ready to go. I uh, haven't had a look today. I uh, looked yesterday, it was pretty good. A little bit of grass. Um, it's been pretty consistent here over the years, a good surface. So, um, yeah, speaking to the ground staff, they were talking about trying to get a bit more pace and bounce than last year. Um, day one was a little bit slower than, than they would have liked. So we'll see, but weather's been beautiful like it always here, is here in Perth and it looks good. Yeah, it's a bit more in our favour, you know, the last few summers here in Australia than, um, yeah, perhaps England or, or India. So, um, you know, we, we love playing over here, even, you know, someone like Nath Lyon, probably not traditionally a, a spin-friendly ground. His record's great here, he loves bowling on the bouncy wickets. Uh, and these are the wickets that we've grown up on, we've played for a decade on. Um, so we, we know them really well, uh, we know what kind of works and it's always nice when it flings out your hand and seen a bit of pace and bounce. Yeah, really excited to have, have Trav on board as a co-vice captain. He's been playing for a long time. He's always been a leader in our group. Um, so we thought it was a good time to, to formally recognise that. You've got to be able to win your home games. That's almost a non-negotiable. And then obviously you've got to do well on a couple of overseas tours. So um, yeah, if we want to be in that final again, you basically need to win your home games. So that's ahead of us. That is the Australian captain, Pat Cummins, there ahead of the first test between Australia and Pakistan. And for the very first time on Around the Wicket, we're joined by former Aussie captain, and that is Michael Clark. Great to have you as part of the team, Pup. I tell you what, you were the World Cup winning captain in 2015, and things could be interesting at the reunion with the build-up to this <laughs> test. We've also got... Aaron Finch, who, of course, is opening in that World Cup. Mitchell Johnson came out all guns blazing against David Warner as he eyes off that SCG farewell. And then the update to that was ahead of this first test that Justin Langer has come out, the former coach, and said, make sure you praise in public, criticise in private. What have you made of the explosive build-up to this first test? Yeah, g'day guys. Um, I'm going to be nice and positive. My God, hasn't cricket been in the front and the back of the papers? <laughs> but I think I think there's a bit of bit of everything. To be honest, I think there's obviously something between um, Mitch and Davy. Uh, and I said um, a few times already. I, I didn't notice that when I was playing with them. You know, not everyone's best mates in any team you're playing, and um, you know they were competitive in the nets. But I, I never noticed. Certainly 
uh, friction like what we've seen in the last couple of weeks. Um, so something's obviously happened post my playing days. Um, and, you know, the other thing, when you work in the media, you've probably got to give both sides of the ledger as well. You try and be as positive as you, as you can, especially when it's with uh, or about players that you played with, um, you know, because you know what it's like to be criticised from past players. It's never nice. But your job is not to always, you know, just give positive feedback. You've got to be honest. And if somebody's not performing um i think if you work in the media if you commentate if you do what we're doing i think if you sit here and uh don't tell the truth i think the public will see through it so tough position for mitch he's writing articles he obviously wanted to say something about davy uh i think davy's handled himself really well though um i think he's done the right thing he's concentrating on being a part of this setup with the australian cricket team for the next three test matches and his job and responsibility is to walk out and make some runs the selectors are stuck with him now he's got to go and make runs, and I'm pretty sure he will. His form has been on the slide, let's be honest. In the last three calendar years, mm. he's averaged 38, then 30, and then 23, just 100 mm. in that time. Finchie, you know him really well. You opened with him for a long time at white ball cricket, and he is a polarising character. And if you play that way as the aggressor, mm. the bull, right throughout your career... It's not everyone's going to like you, whether it's former players or fans. How do you think he'll be received by the public as this farewell tour unfolds? Well, I think that one thing that Davey's never bothered with is what other people think, and that's, that's <laughs> one of the great strengths of him as well because he's got the ability to function with absolute chaos around him, and, and that's, that's why he doesn't mind putting random things out there because it, mm. it doesn't affect him like it does other people. If the house is burning down around him, he's mm. someone who's able to stay really calm under pressure and when, when all that stuff is absolute chaos going on around him. So sometimes he, he brings it on himself and, and that's what gets him going. And if you look at his career, I mean, there's times when World Cup finals, he gets the job done, semi-finals, um, big games throughout his career, he's got the job done. So that, that's, that just shows the character of him. Should he be in this 11? Look, I, I, you look at how successful the Australian team has been recently. You know, they won the World Test Championship. They regained the Ashes. Um, yeah, he should be in the 11 because one thing we know as players, when you've got a great core group and you know how to win as a team, you try and keep that. I understand at some point you have to move on and try and blood new players. Um, I do think also the media has add fuel to this because we probably needed something to talk about for this <laughs> first test series and it was about David Warner being playing his last on home soil. So um, we've, had some, we've had something to do to contribute. I tell you what though, Pup, when you take away the ball, the aggressor, from a pure cricketing perspective, those players who have a minimum of 25 tonnes, his strike rate is off the charts. It's at 70. The only comparison mm. is a Brian Lara and Matty Hayden who's at 60. So the way that he plays the game, we can't be critical of that, can we? No, I think he's been stellar at the top of the order in all three forms, to be honest. His test form hasn't been anywhere near as good as, you know, his recent campaign in the World Cup. But I think if you look at his career, it's been stellar. Uh, in my opinion, opening the batting is the hardest place to bat in test cricket different in one-day cricket and 2020 cricket, but to average what he does, to play the style he plays, to set the tone for the team, um, you know, David Warner has offered the Australian cricket team, certainly in Test cricket, a lot throughout his career. And again, I know it's about making runs and you can look at numbers, but 
You know, you've got to have someone to replace him. You've got to look at the opposition he's been playing against. Um, you know, England, in England, is always a tough place to open as well. Um, but, yeah, look, the selectors and Pat Cummins have been loyal to Davey Warner in selecting him for these test matches, no doubt about it. If it was just about stats, he probably wouldn't be picked. But it's never just about stats, in my opinion. Uh, you know, and, again, I'd be surprised in the next three test matches, if Davey Warner's not the leading run scorer, he won't be far behind. Well, and to back that up, he averages 83.5 up against Pakistan, <laughs> an unbelievable record. That's his best against any opposition. And in case you were wondering, Pup, your strike rate with 2,800s was 56, so you weren't too bad either. But when we move <laughs> on to the replacement, which is likely to happen after that SCG test up against the West Indies, who would you like to see open? Is it that traditional option or are we looking at what Australian coach Andrew McDonald is saying, which is best six batters, which could perhaps open the door for a Mitch Marsh Manus Labashain, perhaps, or a Cameron Green even to open the batting. What mm. do you think? Well, I think there's options. <laughs> I think there's a number of players in that team that can probably do it. But I don't know. I'm still a little bit old school. I still think opening the batting in test cricket is still different to any other position. Uh, I know if you can open in one-day cricket and 2020 cricket, that doesn't necessarily mean you can open in test cricket. Very different wickets, uh, generally more movement with that new ball. You know, as a, as a batting group, normally your conversation before a test match is about the first two hours of a test, getting through that. So who's got that responsibility? The two opening batters. It, it, it's a really tough position to bat around the world not just if you're just playing in India or you're playing in Australia and the wickets are good then it can be a great place to bat but generally you go to England you got to open South Africa Australia when there's a bit of grass in the wickets it's extremely tough so I don't know I think there's options there I know they want Cameron Green back into the 11 and I understand that because he's a hell of a player so but that would mean someone like a Manus Labuschagne or a Travis Head would have to go to the top of the order uh, or a Mitchell Marsh has been spoken about. Could they do it? Most probably, but I don't know. I, I, I probably think um, it's more suited to a specialist opening bats, batsman. And my two picks are probably either Bancroft or Renshaw. I think those two guys are in form at the moment. Um, both got plenty of time, plenty of cricket left in them if they can get in and, and consolidate and, and own their position. Um, you know, you've got a left-hand option, you've got a right-hand option, and both their numbers are pretty good, to be honest. I think, again, if it's just stats, I think Bancroft leads the way at the moment, certainly if you take out the PM's 11 game. Um, but Renshaw's in good form, his game's improved, he's a better player now than he was when he got his first crack. So I think either of those two are probably the, at the front of the queue in my mind, that's my opinion, for, for the specialist position. But who knows, they could go to someone like Labuschagne who's been – unbelievable batting at number three for a long time now. I'm sure he'll have success. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Well, the name Mitch Marsh certainly internally keeps getting brought up and it seems to be gaining some momentum. And you're the perfect person to speak about this, Finchie, because in 2018 you were the man that replaced David Warner when he was suspended. You played pretty much all of your red ball cricket down the order. You got given the opportunity, whether it was an opportunity or not, we'll, we'll debate that, to open for Australia. Yeah. 
and then it goes how it goes. What do you think? Not very well. <laughs> What you should have she said. She was being nice. Yeah, that's okay. But I, I think being picked in the first place against <laughs> Pakistan in the UAE, yeah. very similar to one-day conditions. Like Pup was saying that the ball doesn't bounce much, it doesn't yeah. swing, they rely more on spin and reverse swing. But when, when we come to Australia, mm. if I got the tap on the shoulder then and they said, we're going to go with a specialist opener, I would have put my hands up and said, 100%, that's the right decision to make. I think just purely based yeah. on Andrew McDonald's comments, that, I th- that they will go with Cameron Green back into the side and then everyone shuffles up. Do I think that's the right way to go? I, I, I agree 100% with Pup that the, the opening batting position is such a specialised position in, in Test cricket. And Manus could do it. He's, got, he's technically very sound. He's mentally very tough. So, so he could absolutely do it. But... Cameron Bancroft probably deserves an opportunity at the top there. But when it came to you, they actually gave you an opportunity, didn't they, later in that summer? Tell me about that. Well, in the, in the fourth test against India, Justin Langer came to me and he said, do you want an opportunity to bat at six? And I thought that being, or opening the batting for the first three tests, that that wasn't the right way to go. I thought that that would be a cop-out for me personally. And I said, no, if, if you're going to pick me, I'll open the batting. And he said, well, I don't think we can pick you then. And I totally understood. It was the right decision to be made. And when you walk away from that, you say, you say no issue. I had a crack at it. I wasn't quite good enough. And people will say, well, you're mm-hmm. mad for giving up a, yeah. the opportunity to play a test match. But it, was, but it was the right move. I thought that that would be a, a soft way to go. Say, oh, you know what? Open the batting's a bit tough mm. for me. I want to go at number six and see if I can smack around an old ball. But that was the way I saw it. And, and I, I, I still played five tests more than I probably should have anyway. <laughs> Baggy green and no one can take it away from you, Fishy, but it's a cautionary tale, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it's probably um, something for current players to think about. You know, do you... And I think as players, you just want to get into that Australian side, don't you? Mm. So you're willing to do anything you possibly can. You want me to open? You want me to open the bowling left arm? No worries, I got you. Mm. Um, But then to maybe sit back and go... What's what? What is my skill set that I'm bringing in, and am I the right person? I, mm. I'm probably in agreement with these guys about having it be a specific opener, and I'm probably going more Renshaw than Bancroft. I know the runs that he scored at Sheffield Shield, he has scored a truckload and probably deserves it. But for me, I still see some probably technical deficiencies that I think will be exposed at that next level when the ball is moving around as long as it does. Um, Whereas Renshaw, mm. I, I feel, probably is slightly a little bit better technically. I, I think batting at, at the top of the order at the Wacker, where the ball does move around and it bounces, he probably, they, they probably hide the technical deficiencies a little bit. He's still getting so far across his stumps with his, with his front mm-hmm. pad. His front foot is so locked off that when the ball moves back in, he doesn't really have many options. Um, but you can't argue with averaging 50. I think Renshaw oh, no. and Harris, both in the 30s and mid, mid to low 30s as well. So that's, that's a concern for the last three years. And... and People keep talking about David Warner being... He, his numbers aren't that good. If he went and played shield cricket, he would average 50 <laughs> as well. So, so there's a, been a lot of talk about that. Uh, it, it just hasn't had the opportunity to play a lower standard, which is, which is shield cricket compared to test cricket. Right. So in my opinion, that, that's still, you're still picking a player for this series in David Warner, who's, who's a great of the game. And then for the next series, I think they'll still go with, with one of the... One of the best six batters, as Andrew McDonald said. One to watch throughout the summer. Pup, what about the evolution of Pat Cummins? Has he surprised you the way that he has just performed in all forms of the game as leader? Yeah, he's 
been brilliant, Paddy. Um, I, I don't think I'm surprised because I think I've, all, I've always been a fan of Paddy. And I think the difference between Pat Cummins and a, and a lot of uh, other people that have captain Australia, he, he hasn't had much leadership experience. So what I mean by that, uh, grade cricket, uh, under-17s or 19s, uh, captaining his state. He, he hasn't had much opportunity through his junior cricket to captain. So he's had to learn on the spot. Uh, I think tactically throughout the World Cup campaign, he got a lot better in, in the one-day format. And I think over in England, he learned a lot as well around tactics, around trying to combat what England were doing versus what's best for the Australian team. So I'm not surprised, but he's been brilliant. There's no doubt about it. I think he's copped criticism at times and, and taken it on the chin, probably taken it as constructive criticism, which you have to do as, a, as, as captain of Australia. And I think he's obviously taken things from certain people that he's heard along the way or that have seen and probably the communication with Andrew McDonald as well. It seems like those two have a great relationship that I think has really helped his leadership. He's got some great people around him on the field as well. Um, that have had a lot of success, that have captained teams. So I think they've probably played a part and deserve a bit of credit. Um, but, yeah, Paddy's done a great job. He's still been able to perform with the ball as well. His batting probably hasn't been as good as he would like. But, um, yeah, I think he'll continue to get better the more he does it in all three formats. And just quickly, barbarism from Pakistan perspective, he no longer has that pressure of mm. captaincy. Could we expect and, and see a real impressive summer from him? His record in all forms of the game is unbelievable. And, and I expect that now without the pressure in, in the chaos of Pakistan cricket, oh. that, that now, that's, now, that's, chaos? now that's off his shoulders, he, he'll have a great, <laughs> um, great series. It is going to be one to watch this summer. Michael Clark, great to have you on board. We look forward to getting your thoughts and opinions Thanks, whether guys. they're popular or not right throughout the Aussie summer. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Hold on tight. I love that giggle from Michael Clark. You don't quite know what's going to be happening when Michael Clark's involved. That is what is to look forward to on Around the Wicket. But after this short break, we take a look at the new era in women's cricket and it's a new captain in Elisa Healy. What do we have in store? Stick around. a new captain in town and doesn't she look good with that <laughs> skipper blazer on her shoulders Elisa Healy, we know she's a superstar of the game no matter what form she plays and they've got super important tests coming up against India as well over that Christmas period but what is she going to bring to this era after the incredibly successful era of Meg Lanning? Yeah, well, I don't think it will change too much, to be honest. She, she's been part of a successful squad for so many years, over a decade already. Uh, but similar to Pat Cummins, never had an opportunity to captain in underage stuff because normally the best players get moved up really quickly. Mm. So she was always the youngster in amongst those teams. So she learnt a lot recently. Obviously, Meg Lanning has come in and out of the Australian team for the last year and over in the ashes, she learnt how to kind of juggle team expectations, her own performance, and probably didn't spend enough time preparing herself. So I'm actually looking forward to her. Now that she knows that she's skipper 
for as long as she wants to be. She can focus on the team, but make sure she prepares as an individual player first and foremost. That can be really difficult for somebody, especially somebody who's doing two disciplines, batting and keeping. So to find the time to, to commit to your batting um, strategy, I guess, and, and your routine, and then to get your amount of work that you need with the gloves in as well. But then to worry about everybody else in the squad, that, that can be incredibly difficult. And, and I found it difficult at times as a batter to be able to prioritise everybody else yeah. within the side and then look after yourself. If you're throwing another string into the bow there, that, that can be incredibly time-consuming. Well, from one ch chirpy, basically, keeper <laughs> to another, Richard Punt, this is one of the great stories in world cricket. They're saying that he will play in the, in, in the Indian Premier League next year. This time last year, he was in an awful car crash. We didn't know if he was going to survive. We didn't know if he was going to be back playing cricket. To get this news, Finchie, mm. is just something that gives you full-body goosebumps. Yeah, absolutely. I spoke to Ricky Ponting the other day, and he was really confident that Richard would, mm. would be back and, and playing for Delhi. Like you said, that was a horrific car accident and the fact that he's even back walking is, is a huge moment for him. And I mean, if you've followed his social media, he's mm. documented it along the whole way and it's just unbelievable to think that he'll be back playing professional cricket at, the, at one of the highest levels after 12, 16 months of, uh, after that crash. He's such a dynamic player mm. um, and the game changes when he walks out mm. there, whether it be white ball or red ball. So uh, we've missed not seeing him in Indian colours and I can't wait to see him back out there. And the Aussies love him as well, whether it's the babysitting <laughs> jibes up against Tim Payne behind the stumps or whether it's actually not so much love from the Aussies at the Gabba doing what he was doing so brilliantly. That was an appreciation for what he did though. It, there absolutely was. Rishabh Pant, wonderful to have you back. We cannot wait for that in the Indian Premier League next year. After this short break, though, we're going to get stuck into a few big predictions for the summer ahead, putting these guys under the pump. Welcome back to Around the Wicket. It's time to take on the short stuff and we're starting with the introduction of a stop clock in international cricket. It's been used in the West Indies and England. Do you like the idea, Finchie? Love it. I think the games are dragging out too long at the moment, especially like T20. They're getting past four hours, which is just ridiculous for a T20 game in my opinion. So love it. Anything to quicken up the game. We'll bring more and more people to the game because they know a fixed time. I work with baseball. It certainly the, did. The, the pitch clock, it's worked wonders. We'll have to put a stop clock on you for this segment of the short stuff. Elise, big call for the summer. Uh, big call. Uh, I think the Aussies will win quite handsomely and, and I think that the, the top order will fire. We won't even see the middle order of the Australian batting. Interesting. Mitch Marsh could go from not getting a bat to opening the batting. Yep. Finchie, big call for the summer. Mitch Marsh to open the batting in the fourth test of the summer, the first test against the West Indies. That, that, that's my prediction. Who's under the most pressure this summer, Lise? Alex Carey, unfortunately. Mm. I, think, I think the fact that he got out of the ODI side, we've seen off the back of the ashes, um, he's probably down in a little bit of confidence. So um, this mm. first test is going to be really crucial for him. I wonder if that Bairstow incident is just in the back of the mind. Finchie, what do you reckon? Potentially it is, but for me it's Shan Massoud to take over the captaincy of the Pakistan side. Um, I, I don't think Baba would have been too happy with, with being dismissed as captain, so he, he'll be under a huge amount of pressure. 201 not out in the Prime Minister's 11, not the 
It's a good way to start. Yeah, starting captaincy of a touring team. Finally, remember the name. Who's the youngster or emerging player that everyone will be talking about by the end of the summer? Phoebe Litchfield. She just got picked up in the WPL auction for one crawl. So um, it's a lot of money, by the way. Yeah, it is a lot of money, (laughs) and we'll start seeing what she does. Jake Fraser McGurk from me, superstar. Around the wicket, join us right throughout the summer. Thanks for your company.